Faulkner, and welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I am so excited today to be talking with Chief Growth Officer and President of Amaris Studios, Anna Cortez. Anna, welcome. Hello, Katie. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm a huge fan of your series of conversations. I've been listening to your episodes and I always get a very unique insight. So thank you for being an inspiration and uh, and bringing all these inspiring women to uh, to our ears and our hearts. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a, that that makes my day. I truly appreciate you saying that. And I know other women are going to get a lot of inspiration by hearing your story. So let's just, I mean, let's get started. You've had such an incredible career. Can we talk a little bit about your journey up until what you're doing now with Amherst Studios, please? Of course, I would love to. Um, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and I guess looking back, I've been an entrepreneur at heart all my life. I love um, having a problem um, and um, finding a solution and honestly helping people bring their ideas to life. And that's where my real passion is. So I started very young in finance. I always loved math. Uh, so I joined a few banks and then Goldman Sachs, uh, honestly, when I was still in, uh, in college. I went through the analyst program. Then I went to Harvard Business School. I had this dream of uh, getting my MBA there, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Everyone who asks me, you know, young people should still go to business school, I say, yes, go. I mean, don't even think twice if you can. Um, and then I was back at Goldman Sachs. I ended up spending 14 years there, and it was really a very entrepreneurial experience. I was doing big transactions and working with very incredible, smart founders and CEOs and boards and honestly working across between New York and Latin America. I then became obsessed with starting a technology education business, and I was uh, working with some investors in California. So I left Goldman after all that time. I guess I was ready for a change, and you know, uh, embracing change is not always easy, but I guess we have to challenge ourselves. So I left Goldman um, and did some work on that, and I ended up joining a very large family office called Peninsula, which is um, a very... Uh, remarkable and, and successful family in Brazil, and they were building the family office from scratch. And I helped build the private equity and venture capital business and did a bunch of uh, investments in education and technology. And then to make a long story short, um, my husband and I, with our three kids, decided to make a change. Everything was great. I had a job I loved. My husband had a job he loved, and we wanted to spend time abroad. So we moved back to the U.S., um, in sort of, you know, uh, making a, a choice to search uh, greatness uh, and, uh, and, and make this big change, which a lot of our friends and our family did not understand at the time why we were, you know, seeking this change. And I then had this dream of starting my own business. So I built this virtual accelerator, basically helping basically a diverse set of entrepreneurs, most of which are women. Uh, to validate a business idea for starting their own businesses, launching their businesses, and matching them with investors to get funded. And then last year, I was fundraising for this business. I reconnected with John Mallow, who was the CEO of Amaris, who was one of my clients at Goldman, who was my friend for a long time. And to make a long story short, he invited me to be an entrepreneur within Amaris. Uh, so I am chief growth officer of Amaris, and then I'm building from scratch Amaris Studios, which... I can tell you a little more. And Amherst is just a fascinating business and it's been an incredible journey. So I've been here now for a year 
um, and uh, it's just been life changing. Just so far, everything you've said, going to Harvard Business School, in between, you know, already having a big career, it sounds pretty fabulous. So tell us, please, about Amherst Studios and, and what you're doing there. Of course, and maybe this was longer than you had imagined. So Amherst is a biotech company that has a very unique um, technology, and we have very safe, high-performance ingredients in which we sell to different beauty and personal care companies. And a few years ago, we launched our own brands. Uh, and they're the highest growth brands in clean beauty. So Biosense, uh, Rosing, JVN, Costa Brazil, Pipette, now Stripes, EcoFabulous. These are some of our uh, brands. Um, and our vision is that we want to bring, uh, make science sexy. Uh, and break down the concepts behind clean beauty and science and ingredients and all these very sophisticated and sometimes difficult to understand, um, you know, concepts and really educate and inspire and engage people in a very large scale. So my mission with Emory Studios really is content and community. Uh, so we work with all of our brands uh, to really uh, engage consumers and, and help people really get um, closer to, the, you know, uh, having a healthy routine and understanding about clean beauty and healthy aging and, you know, uh, how products can help people just live a, a healthier life. And that's that's the concept. So we do different types of content from podcasts to editorial to live selling, you know, or social shopping. We have partnerships with different uh, media companies. Uh, I now run the Beauty Advisors Program for our brands, which is a new initiative we're very focused on. So we just want to be close to consumers and make everyone part of this journey. Um, that's our big mission. Clean beauty. This is a phrase you find everywhere. And I'm not sure that everyone totally understands exactly what that means. What is clean beauty and at the risk of sounding, I always say there are no silly questions. Why is clean beauty actually so important? Oh, that's, you know, it always starts with why, right? And um, so I'll tell you about clean beauty, but I think my personal journey um, really started during the pandemic. Like a lot of people, I was reading labels, I was trying to get healthier, um, you know, reading labels of products, reading labels of you know, what I eat, my kids were challenging me, to be honest, to be even healthier. I thought I was pretty healthy, but, you know, trying to see what's behind everything we consume. Um, I then learned that the skin is the largest organ in our bodies and what we put on our skin, you know, goes directly into our bloodstream. Um, so Amris has created a very unique uh, clean beauty technology, leveraging clean chemistry uh, or synthetic biology to basically create this very pure, safe ingredient. We combine that with very simple formulations in which we only include the ingredients that are really you know, necessary, right? And we have the biggest list of toxic ingredients that we ban. So clean beauty, um, the reason I think there's so much greenwashing, it's because um, there's, there's no regulation, right? Different people talk about clean beauty in a different way, but clean beauty to us really is safe ingredients that are good for you without harming our planet. So they're also sustainable and biotechnology is the only way to do that, combined with simple formulations and products that are really healthier and, and higher performance. Uh, and, and it matters because um, we um, 
as I was saying, you know, what we put in our skin goes into our bloodstream. And there's been a lot of research related to many harmful effects of, of what we put on our skin that, um, you know, we're now getting a closer look at. So it matters because what we put in our skin just goes um, straight to our, our, our bloodstream. Some of the products that you're creating and the work that you're doing is focused on women ages 40 to 59, that sort of sweet spot. And it's a time, so I feel very passionate about this being right there, you know, in this group. This is a time when women have so much to offer, but it also can be a really hard time. Our bodies are changing, going into menopause, look feeling different about the way you're seen in the world. I I know you're addressing this in a number of ways. One of them is your line of product Stripes in partnership with Naomi Watts. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I guess this is really a two-part question, so excuse me, but can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges from your point of view that you're addressing? And then also we'd love to know more about Stripes. Of course. Um, so I guess the whole... Um, vision, honestly, of focusing on women this age came from John Mallor, CEO. He realized that women undergo less uh, trials for uh, drugs and medicine in general because of hormonal disbalances. Uh, we were doing research on the gut microbiome, uh, and we realized that you know when women go through menopause, there's a big impact on the gut mi- microbiome and why that matters in terms of your immune system. As you were saying, there's so many changes that we go through, right? Um, and I think that what the, the really breakthrough was realizing that people don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, like if I ask you, do you know when your mom into, went into menopause? You probably don't know the answer because these are not conversations that we've had with our moms, with our friends, with our families, right? And it's not just about menopause. It's about how your body's changing, how you're aging, how your mind is changing. We don't really talk about you know, a lot of this. And the, the the problem is there are so many healthy health consequences that when we don't have these conversations, these topics remain a taboo. So we decided to make a big investment in this, in women this age uh, through different um, touch points, as you were saying. So we first acquired the company called Manolabs, which has probiotics and other products that are science-backed for women in premenopause and and menopause. Um, And we developed this line with Naomi and our team who is leading it is incredible. And the story, I'll just tell you very quickly, Naomi, uh, who is amazing and has been an incredible partner, actually went into menopause very young. She started to have symptoms of menopause at age 35, even before she had kids. And she's very vocal about, you know, her story. Uh, And then she was able to have two kids through some natural treatments, but then menopause hit her very, very hard. Um, And she thought, oh my God, like I need to be able to help other women. So when they go through this, they don't feel lonely. They don't feel they don't have the information. So with Stripes, we have an incredible line of products that are focused on on women. Uh, And we're also having all the conversations and honestly creating a community that where we can discuss this. So we're working with Naomi on a podcast that hopefully we will uh, launch soon in which we're having conversations with experts and you know different different types of uh, taboos that we want to break to really support women through this you know phase but honestly just put it out there the more we have these conversations 
I think the more society's views of, you know, this phase of our life begins to change and hopefully we embrace the fact that this should be the best part of our life, right? At the end of the day, we're mature, we've conquered so much, we're not in self-doubt anymore, you know, we're smart, we're doing things, we can own our lives and we shouldn't be living with uh, with fear and feeling, as we were saying before, invisible, right? We want to yeah. feel seen and, and, and appreciated and, and we should just support one another and make this the best time of our lives. That's a whole other conversation and it is so, but it's really so true. I can't wait to hear the podcast when it comes out. So talking about thing, just moving from one enormous life issue to another, I want to sort of talk a little bit about work-life balance, which is another huge thing. So, you know, during your time at Goldman Sachs, and you you mentioned that you were there for quite a while, you were the co-head of the Women's Network for Latin America, and you were working with other women, especially on things around work-life balance and, and self-advocacy. So those are two things that are, so work-life balance, I wanted to originally call this podcast Balancing Act, which I couldn't do because it turned out, number one, that uh, that name was already taken. But number two, I, I didn't realize at the time that so many women hate the idea of balance, of using the word balance. And I used to always ask in my podcast, well, how do you balance things? And they, women said they didn't like it because it felt like it was another thing that they had to do. But whatever you call it, you know, I like the word balance, but whatever you call it, that work-life balance, were there any things that you learned during that time? Obviously, to boil it down into one or two things is a little nuts, but, you know, just that you could kind of share with us. Of course. And I'm glad, by the way, you did not call your podcast Balancing Act, because I think I've learned there's no such a thing as work-life balance. And I think it just creates this unachievable sense of balance that maybe puts more of a stress on our lives. I think we can have moments in which we feel that, um, you know, we're in the zone and, and, and we're living life. But um, so my, my experience with, with the Women's Network at Goldman was spectacular. My co-head was great. And what I really learned is that I was in the beginning trying to, um, I guess, bucket women in different boxes. When I got pregnant of my first child, I was like, oh my God, I have to learn. How can you be a banker? and have a kid and I was having all these conversations and each woman has a different life story and a different routine and a different family setup and some of the women who were part of the women's network didn't even have kids they wanted to have a forum where they felt seen and accepted you know and I remember this very senior partner woman who said listen every time someone has to leave a meeting they say oh I have my son's recital I have my daughter's ballet show and she's like I need to leave a meeting to get my hair done because I haven't had time you know to cover my gray hair so I learned that we have to um, just understand that you know each person has a different life story and what is balanced for someone is different from what you know we see as balanced but my biggest lesson really was from a session we had with Gary Kong at the time was the president of Goldman and he was talking to all the women um, and he said, listen, men book sessions with me um, and time with me in my office and they come in, they have nothing really to talk about. They're talking about the football game from last week or, you know, a new beer they found or something. But with that, they're keeping their, um, you know, their awareness very high on my list. Women don't do that. Women don't go into someone's, you know, senior office and say, hey, 
you know, what did you think about this? And by the way, let me tell you about the work I've been doing with that. And I think that, you know, because advocacy is a very strong word and sometimes people just don't know how to do that. Uh, so those, those were some of the um, initiatives that we were helping, especially the more junior women uh, at the time. When women ask me, I think that's so important. You have to be your own advocate. Men think, they don't think anything about it. And women, a lot of times think, well, this is a generalization, but I do happen to think it's true in a lot of cases. Well, they could see that I was the one that was leading that, or they knew, or I don't want to be looking like I'm, you know, bragging. But if you're not going to speak up for yourself, nobody else is, right? No one else will. No one else will. And that, I think, is a big lesson. So I I read an interview recently where you were saying that in your family in Brazil, when you were growing up, um, your family really embraced change and saw life as a process of creation. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about making a move for embracing change. And so at the end of my podcast, and I'm going to ask you too, I always ask for one piece of advice. And a number of women say to embrace change. Obviously, the world is changing all the time. We've seen that even more so at an accelerated speed. But embracing change in terms of taking a leap and changing a job or changing the way you think is actually very difficult for many people to do. So what does embracing change mean to you? Is it something that can be learned? I think that's a great question. And I think that's one of those um, pieces of thought that I had rationalized more when I was younger. I've always seeked change because I just see it as a growth opportunity. Um, but I think we, we have to, um, I think it boils down to being, being more fearless, right? And, and honestly letting go. And letting go is the part of change that I think is really hard because we don't wanna let go of you know, everything that we have and what it represents. But I think once we realize that we can, I believe we own our, our destiny, but I don't think we can control our destiny. And once we realize we really are not in control, right? We can um, do what we can to live our best life, but at the end of the day, things happen, right? And I think when you let go of that sense of, you know, controlling things, I think just things start to flow um, in, a, in, a, in a much more fluid way. So I think embracing change is honestly letting go. I do think um, keeping our atomic habits, you know, I'm, I think habits are very powerful as we embrace change makes a huge difference because I think you have this foundation uh, and this uh, routine that helps you uh, go through change without uh, feeling completely lost. Uh, but I love change. Um, I, I think it's great for, for all of us. I think I do too. <laughs> I think you're braver than me. I can tell that already. But so in this article that I read, you, you talked about so many great things. I thought maybe I would just read like four things that you said and you could sort of elaborate on them if that would be okay. Of course. So think less, do more. Um, I think I'm trying to overcome and inspire people to overcome analysis paralysis. You know, we, we, our school system educates us to be very analysis focused. Uh, and I, for a long time, was very analysis focused and thinking about the pros and cons and doing deep analysis. And then that takes 
our time and our focus away from action. And I think, you know, action is where real power is. So I think it's just, you know what, we have obviously to think, and, but once we take action, we actually learn much more, right? We experiment, we learn, then we pivot, then we learn again. And I think once you break that down into the very granular aspects of, you know what, let me break my action and just be in constant pursuit of action. I think that's when you really grow and you achieve incredible things. Okay. Don't ask for permission. This is a very important one, I think. Oh my God. I, I, I was going to put this one in my, in my shower. So every, you know, I have my best ideas when I'm either running, exercising or taking a shower, which I think is for most of us. So I was going to put that one in my shower because every time I have an idea, I'm thinking, I mean, listen, I'm a very big team player. I do believe in the power of collaborating and working with other people. But sometimes we tend to ask too much for permission. Um, and I've learned with, you know, the most incredible, I guess, entrepreneurs and founders I've worked with, it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. So I've been pushing myself <laughs> and trying to live my life more uh, like that, which I think it would, it, it would be very, um, I guess, liberating if we can ask less for permission and just, you know, go on with our lives and obviously then, you know, sometimes ask for forgiveness. Knowledge is potential power. So I do think, and this is someone else's quote, knowledge is potential power, action is real power. Um, but I do think that um, it goes back to the think less, do more, right? We, we can have the knowledge, um, but if we don't take action, uh, we haven't done anything. And I, I, I tell my you know, the people I work with, like when we learned something, whether we did something that did not work or we experimented and learned something, if we don't do anything with that knowledge, then, you know, we haven't won because we only win when we do something with what we learned. And I think, you know, breaking life into small experiments and learning and then taking action and taking action really could be sharing that knowledge with someone else. Taking action could be, honestly, sending an email to someone you haven't spoken with in a long time or calling someone or getting a meeting with someone that you don't even know what will come out of it. But, you know, if you, op if you don't open the door, you will never know. So um, I think uh, sometimes people just get a little um, discouraged of taking action, but I do think we build our confidence levels when we take action. So that's why I think it's so powerful for us to be always um, taking action. Yeah. And I always, I like to add to that a little bit where what's the word to also think to yourself, well, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. What's the worst except that someone will say no. I mean, yes. maybe there's some scenarios where there's something worse, but you know, if the worst that could happen is someone says no or rejects you or rejects your idea, okay, you'll go on to another one. Yeah. And you learn something from it. Right. And then you can get better next time. I, I think that's a very good piece of got good piece of advice. Oh, good. I'm in two now. So if people want to learn more about your products, if they want to hear the podcast when when it comes out with Naomi Watts, where should they follow you? So I think, I mean, we have the most incredible brands and we really do. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of all of our products. So um, people should follow I am Stripes on social media and, and honestly subscribe to the Stripes uh, newsletter um, because it has great content. And then our other brands are Biosense, Rose Inc., um, JVN, Costa Brazil, Pipette, 
Menolabs and Ecofabulous. Um, I'm trying to be more active on my own personal Instagram, um, Anna Curtis. Uh, I do try on the weekends to mentor entrepreneurs on my platform, How to Live It. Uh, so I'm trying to find time for that. But I think, um, you know, Amris is, is really on a mission to make healthier living and sustainable consumption, um, you know, something that um, everyone has access to. So I think uh, also following the work with Duet Amaris, which is the mother company of all of these incredible brands, is a, is a great uh, uh, journey as well. Well, it sounds amazing. And I'm definitely, I'm going to check all this stuff out very closely. So the last thing, although you've already given us so many great pieces of advice, is there one piece of advice, if you had to boil it down, that has really helped you through your life and your career that you could share with us? Of course. And I love that part of your show. I think it's, you. uh, it's great. And I've actually gotten incredible pieces of advice from, uh, from your, your, your guests. Um, I think it's a great piece of advice I got, uh, which helped me actually make the decision to leave Goldman Sachs after 14 years, which was very hard, was that sometimes we pursue um, what we want, but not what we need. And it's very hard for us to see the difference, right? And sometimes we just become obsessed with something or go into a rabbit hole of, oh, I want this promotion or I need to launch this or I need my next step has to be this. And those are things we want, but sometimes we don't need those things. And I think if we, you know, if we don't keep that in mind, we lose sight of what we really need um, on our, you know, to be happy, to grow, to make an impact in the world, and honestly, just to be, you know, to have joy. Um, and I think because we're, you know, most of us are ambitious and, you know, we want to do so many things. Sometimes we think some of the things we want um, are important, but if we go deep to what we need, I think it's, um, it makes a big change. That was a fantastic piece of advice and actually one I haven't heard. And a lot of times I hear the same ones in different ways. And, and that is fantastic. And you're such an inspiration. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Kay. You are an inspiration. So thank you for having me.